the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Javante, Jacob, Katia, Andrew, Tia, Violet, Dustin, Shahizi, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, uh, to the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to spend some time talking this hour with a uh, Marine Corps veteran who served in Vietnam in 1968 and 9. He has a new book. It's his third book called Searching for Gurney. His name is Jack Estes and he joins me now by phone. Jack, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Um, Jack, I was reading some praise for the book and one says, uh, Searching for Gurney will open your mind and heart to the sad reality that too many Vietnam veterans faced when they returned home. A lot of people were anti-war, you know, protested against the Vietnam War, and then took it out on soldiers when they were returning home. And now we have a very different attitude toward um, towards soldiers, especially those returning from, from active uh, uh, overseas deployment. Um, did, did the American people and the American psyche learn a valuable lesson after Vietnam that it's not the soldiers but the leaders who, who make the decisions? Well, I, I think it's, yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, but they you know, also learned that Vietnam veterans were the first um, U.S. soldiers that were vilified from uh, following their participate, participation in war. And uh, I think that over the years, veterans continued to uh, be scorned and, and, as I said, vilified. And finally, um, people 
accepted the fact that they they were basically wrong for doing that. Maybe they could protest against the war itself and everything about it, but you don't um, call soldiers baby killers and and treat them terribly. Now it's wonderful uh, to be a veteran, and uh, you know you get little things like going to um, Home Depot and other places of business and they have special parking spots for you you get 10 percent off in a lot of retail stores and and uh veterans are honored now um which is a big uh change from what it used to be i i I often wonder how vietnam veterans feel when they when they see people you know, thanking, uh, you know, they see someone in uniform and they thank them for their service, or if they see a soldier in a restaurant, they pick up the tab for their lunch or uh, dinner or whatever. And, you know, that's that's very different than the, the horrible treatment that Vietnam uh, returning soldiers faced. Uh, you know, you mentioned being called baby killers. There were people who spat on soldiers. I mean, it, it really was the worst kind of treatment that any Americans have ever endured. Well, you know, and, and the Vietnam veterans shouldered that, and they dealt with that, and, and uh, it took decades for people really to recognize that the, uh, the soldiers weren't uh, to blame for a government decision. And that's changed now, as you said. Uh, it's it's more acceptable. And I, I like the fact that uh, if I wore a hat, you know, that said um, U.S. Marines on it, uh, every day I would get people that would walk up to me and say, thank you for your service and shake my hand. So I, I feel really pleased, and I'm certainly glad that that's the way that um, veterans are treated now. Is there a significant difference in the way uh, soldiers are able to cope with, or, or maybe I should ask this the other way, is the, the trauma, um, the, the post-traumatic stress disorder that a lot of soldiers suffer from returning from any deployment was it harder for vietnam veterans to cope with those disorders and the treatment they were getting at the same time is is there a difference between coping now and coping then well i think is it that if you're in combat and uh you experience something beyond the realm of normal human experience, uh, you could develop PTSD. You could also develop PTSD if, if for instance, you were in a car wreck and, uh, you know, your friend next to you was killed. And uh, the problem with war is that you're like in a calm car wreck every month and someone next to you is killed. And, uh, yes, I think there was a difference. Remember, uh, after Vietnam, when we came home, we were vilified, okay? There wasn't, actually, when I came home, they were just now defining what post-traumatic stress disorder was. 
and uh, you know they referred to the same kind of thing after World War II, like you know some some sort of a shock, um, battle fatigue, things of that nature. The thing that makes it different now for for veterans, in my opinion, is uh, they ha- they have worked on a number of different uh, modalities to treat post-traumatic stress. They start trying to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder and the symptoms of it before a soldier uh, is released from duty. And I think that's very important. And they've come up with different kinds of of medications that certainly help. Um, A few years ago, they came out with what they call the God Shot, and that was um, an injection that you would get in the back of your neck. And many people were swearing that it was just almost instantaneously uh, a release from some of the anxiety and trauma that, that veterans are feeling. But then after further study, um, and there was a big article about it in, in Playboy magazine, but after f- further studies, they found that it didn't work. And so... Um, they, there are many ways to treat post-traumatic stress disorder because we've had decades to study it. So, of, of course, it's a, a benefit to current veterans. It's improving, and yet still uh, soldiers are among, uh, well, the, the suicide rate among soldiers is, is disturbing. <clears throat> Well, it it is, and it's a little higher than what normal suicide rates are. Yes, it is. It is disturbing. And um, again, like I said, they're they're working on different types of treatments for post-traumatic stress, from talk therapy to, as I said, different kinds of uh, uh, medical injections that help. And um, medications that help. I personally take a couple types of medication. You know, I've been out of the war for, you know, 50 years, and uh, I still have uh, ongoing symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, and I think it's something that lives with you forever. You just have to learn how to treat that trauma in such a way that it doesn't interfere with your life and the lives of your family and friends. That's the, the most important issue. I mentioned this was your, your third book. Um, this one follows your uh, acclaimed memoir, A Field of Innocence, and a debut novel, A Soldier's Son. Um, a, a lot of times, soldiers seem to be uncomfortable talking about their experiences uh, in war, especially uh, uh, the, the, well, just their experiences in war, period. We saw that a lot in the wake of World War II, certainly in the wake of Vietnam. I think we see it still among returning soldiers today. Um, what made you want to talk about these things? What made me want to talk? Well, it, it actually started uh, uh, you know, just after I got out of the Marine Corps and I was attending college and I had been in back, had been involved with um, speech and was on the speech team. And, and so uh, when I went back to college, uh, 
I got involved with speech again and the the, the nagging issue the uh, that surrounded me was Vietnam. And so I started writing about Vietnam and writing about the troubles that, um, you know, veterans face. And that was in the immediate aftermath. Yes, I started doing that. And, and uh, I had, uh, people were interested in it, actually, interested in what was going on because nobody was talking about it. And, you know, I entered all of these speech tournaments and actually won a scholarship and was a national collegiate speech champion, spreading my views relative to the trauma of war. And most of my writing is um, focuses on, on veterans and the impact war had on them and their families and communities. And that's how I got started. And I started one night just to work on a field of innocence. And, of course, it took many years to get published, but it was published and did well and ended up uh, being bought by Warner Books. And right after you... Right after you returned and and you were going to college and you started writing about these things and talking about them in speech class, how because it was so soon, uh, and and well, in fact, at that time, uh, the Vietnam War was still going on. How were people reacting to you? Well, uh, they were very moved and moved to tears because I had the ability to uh, explain and um, cause people to think about the treatment that veterans were receiving. And so I think in every speech um, tournament I was at and every speech that I gave, people were touched and moved to hear the truth about what war does to its uh, youth. And the um, and I, I I guess I'm I'm curious about the the writing bug and we have a break coming up here in about a minute uh, and I'm I'm kind of stalling a little bit Jack because um, I, I want to get into the book a little bit searching for Gurney your newest book um, and and. Uh, I, I don't want to get too deep into something and then have to stop for the break, but um, I did want to point out that, uh, I, well, I guess the question is, do you have the writing bug now? Are you going to continue to do books? Well, I've, I'm 71, and I'm going to write as long as I I can. I'm working on two other books, you know, as we speak, so... Uh, Hopefully, I'll continue. You know, it's not a, a writing bug. It's something that happened to me, the trauma that happened to me, and it changed my life. And uh, the combat that I was in, it changed my life, and it made me see um, the world from a different perspective. Jack, I'm going to stop you there because we have to go to break, but I, I'm hoping you'll stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more. 
You bet. Excellent. Jack Estes, author of Searching for Gurney, will have uh, more when we return. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. And the Tom Sumner Program. What do comic books have to do with Susan B. Anthony, Stormy Daniels, and Congressman John Lewis? Find out New Year's Eve 2020 on the Tom Sumner Program. Author Mark Schulman talks about comic book biographies of Walt Disney and Susan B. Anthony. The creative team from Tidal Wave Productions talk about a new comic book series called Stormy Daniels Space Force. Plus, former congressional aide Andrew Aiden talks about developing a three-part comic book series about the civil rights movement called March with Congressman John Lewis. The Tom Sumner program continues our look back at 2020 with comic books for New Year's Eve, streaming live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night, simulcast on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy New Year from the Tom Sumner program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue our conversation with... Uh, Retired uh, Marine and Vietnam veteran turned author Jack Estes about his new book, Searching for Gurney. Jack, welcome back, and thank you for sitting uh, through all that. Oh, I'm, I'm just glad to be here and have the opportunity to, to tell folks a little bit about uh, my life and PTSD and my writing. Well, one of the things that's interesting about uh, about this new book, Searching for Gurney, is that you look at the the damaged lives of of three other people, three U.S. Marines, and uh, in addition, a North Vietnamese soldier. Um, why why was it important to you to include a North Vietnamese soldier, and how difficult was it to get that? that information and and get that story shared well, with you and then ultimately your readers uh first of all when when i was in vietnam i was with three nine the marines and we were in the jungle and fighting and the only vietnamese that we saw were the ones that we killed and uh eventually i got transferred into an, another unit called a combined action platoon and there I uh, lived with 10 Marines and Navy corpsmen, and we helped train, train the villagers, um, which we called um, popular forest soldiers. And so I, I lived with the Vietnamese for, you know, six, seven months, and I um, just grew to have an affinity with them. And then later when I came home, my wife and I created... Uh, uh, an organization called the Fallen Warriors Foundation. And uh, the mission 
we had was to help the Vietnamese. And so um, uh, I took my wife and my two kids with me, and we went back to Vietnam, and we delivered medical and educational supplies and toys. And and, uh, then I subsequently did three other trips back to Vietnam. Um, I took uh, former soldiers that had been wounded in Vietnam, and I took doctors and nurses, and and so I just had an affinity for the country uh, and the people. And I just, I, what I wanted to do was explain what happened in Vietnam to not only the American soldiers, but also our enemies, the North Vietnamese Army. And it took, you know, research. Plus, I had experience in meeting many uh, former enemy and. Uh, that's basically how it started. These former enemy that you met, were they people that had moved to South Vietnam? Well, no, they didn't necessarily move to South Vietnam. They had already conquered South Vietnam, and so they were living there now in, in different capacities. I also was able to go up to Hanoi and meet with... Uh, I think three or four different um, colonels who had been fighting for 40 years against, you know, the French, the Japanese, and and the Americans, and and I learned a great deal from them. And um, so I just took all all of these memories that I had and the experiences I had, and um, you know, put it all together in in a novel called Searching for Gurney. By the way, if if you'd like to uh, learn more about Fallen Warriors Foundation or, or about me and my books, um, my website is jackestes.com. And my books, all of them, can be uh, bought on Amazon or through Barnes & Noble or um, Ingram Sparks. So please do. You know, there's... Um uh, uh, we're two weeks away from Christmas, and there's a famous uh, Christmas Eve story from World War One, where German and American soldiers began singing together and um, passing gifts. Perhaps you've heard that story or, or read about that uh, yes. that that event. Um, and, and I guess what I'm wondering is, as, as you were doing this book, um, what were some of the differences and similarities experienced between the three U.S. Marines that, that you portray and the North Vietnamese soldier that you portrayed? Well, the, uh, the difference was the, the, some of the differences were the Vietnamese um supported their troops and um the americans basically didn't so that was a big difference and um the, the similarity is that all four of these characters uh come home to different homecomings and uh, uh they all However, 
suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, including the Vietnamese character named Vong. And uh, that's that's a big similar thing that they shared. But I, I'm sure there are more things as well. But that, I think that's the biggest. What role do you think the uh, media played in... Um, the lack of support for troops in Vietnam. Vietnam was the first war where film was taken um, and showed on the 6 o'clock evening news and reporters were embedded with troops. We didn't see that, um, or at least we didn't see it much in Korea or World War II. Vietnam was really kind of the first war on television. Um, do you think the media played a role in, in how people viewed the war so and soldiers? Absolutely. It was the first time in um, history that an event could happen um, in the morning in Vietnam and end up on the TV at, at night in the United States. And it was certainly impactful. And, and uh there was lots of negative reporting too, which the media seems to continue to do in politics and uh, whatever. But uh, one of the things about the 1968 Tet Offensive is, uh, was that it was portrayed as a huge defeat by the United States, when in fact that was not true. But Walter Cronkite said on his evening program, uh, they showed f- footage of NVA and Viet Cong soldiers um, that were in the, the compound of the U.S. Embassy. And uh, what he said made it seem like we were being defeated and what was wrong. And, and so media can have a, a very impactful, um, you know, be be very impactful, no matter if it's positive or negative. And for Vietnam, it was almost always negative. In uh, in searching for Gurney, um, you refer to it as a novel. Um, is is it a novel, or or is it more of a documentary? Well, I don't know that it's a documentary. I will say that uh, there are many experiences in the book that I, you know, was involved in and or heard about. So it's a it's a novel. Um, but based you know, on real people and, and true events? Oh, say that again? But based on real people and true events. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the what my mission is, is to honor the memory of American soldiers and to help heal the pain associated with war. Uh, what my book does is, uh, well, like Tim O'Brien, uh, National Book Award winner Tim O'Brien, who wrote... Uh, the things they carried. Uh, he said that searching for, for Gurney is a tender, convincing, sometimes harrowing, 
and wonderfully written novel that explores the psychological aftershocks of the American war in Vietnam for veterans and their families. This is a must read. So uh, Tim O'Brien is probably is a, the legendary author of Vietnam literature. And I feel privileged that he said this about searching for Gurney. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, you were t- talking earlier, um, and you, you made the comment that during the war, the only North Vietnamese that you ever saw, and and your words were, were the ones we killed. Um, exactly. In things are a lot different the way warfare is conducted now a lot of a lot of it is done by drones and remote control and you know uh, smart bombs if there is such a thing um but in the vietnam war it was face to face and i i'm just wondering can you ever really um recover from the experience of being expected and sanctioned to kill people. Well, I, th- I think you can recover. Um, yes, uh, I'll tell you a little story. When I was in yeah, please. Vietnam, a friend of mine, um, Bob Bob Gregory, and I uh, went out into a rice paddy field to try to save a wounded medic and some other Marines that were frightened. And uh, when we got to the medic, we used our battle dressings on him, and we were crawling through the rice paddies, and we had to go over a dike, uh, you know, about 18 inches high. Then we raised up to lift the medic, and all the hell in the world came. And uh, Bob was shot three times, and the medic was shot again, and a couple other soldiers were shot. And I thought if I kept my head next to this dike, my body was big and I could absorb rounds. And uh, I heard a voice say to me, and I believe it was God, that I would be okay. And to take care of my friend. And so I helped my friend get out of the um, rice paddies because I could only help carry one person at a time. And he was shot again. Um, And we were laying right next to each other. So uh, I believe there was a purpose for me, and that purpose is to write, to write about my experiences and hopefully help other other veterans and their families and friends. Can you can you write about those experiences without I don't know, sort of reliving them? Well, <laughs> yes, I'm much better at writing. Well, actually I'll tell you this, when I'm writing, I really get lost. And I'm the kind of person that can write with a TV going full blast and people walking in and out of the room because I'm lost <laughs> in what I'm thinking and uh, feeling. And, and sometimes it's hugely emotional. And uh, in fact, if I 
was working on my book and I stopped for a few days or a few weeks, um, I'd always feel a little guilty that I was leaving these characters behind and I needed to get back to them. But it's all—it's always emotional. Uh, I just don't break down in tears every time I write anymore. So, I and speaking—I can speak about it now. Did it help that you wrote and spoke about these things so soon after you came home when you went to college? Well, I think that I, I'm sure that that helped, but. Uh, over the 38 years that I've now been married, this is my second wife, and over those 38 years, I uh, have had hundreds of hours of counseling and therapy and group therapy and different things. So uh, I've been blessed by uh, learning something very important, and that is that it's uh more important and helpful to reveal rather than conceal. So talking about it has been very beneficial for me personally. Writing about it has been very beneficial for me personally. Do you think of it as cathartic? Well, totally cathartic. Absolutely, you're 100% correct. It's very cathartic for me. And... uh, you know, this is you. You asked earlier about continuing to write. Of course, I am. I'm, I just wrote a new thing last night. That you know, is all of your writing about um, Vietnam, or at the very least, about soldiers and their experiences? Well, I'd say ninety percent of it. But I've I've also written, um, you know. Uh, some stories relative to uh, athletics and championship baseball teams and and uh, football teams and you know different things like that. But no, my primary focus uh, deals with war. And you said you were working on uh, did, was it two more books? Yes. Um, The uh, next book uh, that will be coming out uh, is a collection of essays that I've had published. I've published, you know, a number of essays in places like the Wall Street Journal and uh, Newsweek, different places around the country. Um, And uh, it's about the essays that I've published and the new ones that I'm writing. Um, with the uh, with the book that's out now, Searching for Gurney, um, uh, released this uh, well just last month, November third. Um, it it focuses on uh, on these three uh, U.S. Marines and the one North Vietnamese soldier in the late '60s and '70s. What is it you're hoping? readers will get from this book and and who do you imagine um, is reading when you're writing? 
Well, I don't imagine, first of all, uh, who my audience is. Uh, I write um, for the truth that is is inside of me. And, um, you know, hopefully I f- that it'll find an, an audience. But I could write for, you know, kids in high school through, you know, folks my age or older. Um but I, I don't I don't particularly write for an audience like maybe a youth author would or somebody that writes mysteries might have a specific kind of audience. My mine is not a specific kind of audience. My books can be read by uh, an array of different um, folks, and a lot of uh, women in, in, uh, find some things important and in my writing, especially if they're the wives or um, have a strong connection with a veteran. And it doesn't matter if it's Vietnam or, um, you know, uh, Afghanistan, Afghanistan or right. wars or, or anything like that. It, it just gives an idea to folks about what combat is and how people uh, adjust to it. And hopefully it, um, it shows people how horrible war is and how we need to treat people. And this book um, ends with hope. And uh, that's what I want everyone to understand, that no matter how difficult it is, you can get through it, and there's hope. Are there horrors of war that you witnessed or or learned about that that you wouldn't share or that you don't think should be shared? Well, no. I mean, you know, it's just, it depends on how you share it. You can't share it in a gratuitous way. But there, um, maybe a better answer is there's uh, everything that I've written about war, I wouldn't want my son or my grandson to experience or see. Um, and that, that it also will give some of the people, the younger people that read my, my work, an idea that maybe joining the Marine Corps isn't such a good idea. Not that we don't want people that are patriotic, but we have to know what the expense of war really is what it does cost in the loss of our youth. Well, Jack, we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and, and your work, past, present, and future. You gave the uh, the website out earlier, but would you like to share that again? Yes, I'll just share a couple of things. Uh, again, my name is Jack Estes, E-S-T-E-S, and my website is simply jackestes.com. And my um, book, Searching for Gurney, can be uh, purchased on Amazon or through Barnes & Noble. And, um, you know, I think almost any bookstore could look it up or, or through Ingram Sparks. And um, that's basically it. If you do... Pick up my book, Searching for Gurney, and you like it, please, you know, comment about the book on Amazon. 
Jack, thanks for spending this time with me and sharing your uh, uh, thoughts and stories uh, with listeners and also uh, with your readers. Well, I'm so glad to be on your show and you do a service for all veterans and their families and their loved ones. Hey! Well, take care. Happy holidays. And guess Thank what? You. You're listening Bye-bye. to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Santa baby, just live a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. I'm feeling right. Santa baby, a shiny new convertible to light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa, tonight's the night. Think of all the fun I've missed. Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed. Next year I could be oh so good if you check off my Christmas list. Ba-doo, ba-doo, Santa, honey, I want a yacht and really that's not a lot. Been an angel all year, Santa, baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa, tonight's the night. Come and trim my Christmas tree with some decorations for that Tiffany. I really do believe in you. Let's see if you believe in me. Ba-doo, ba-doo, Santa, baby. Forgot to mention one little thing, a ring. I don't mean on the phone, Santa, baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Hurry down the chimney tonight. They say singing can help you remember things. So here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. If you have a knack for sales and fundraising and would like to become a valued member of a fun team, you could be a good fit for the Tom Sumner Program. Help us develop the underwriters needed to continue to grow our brand. Write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Tom Sumner Program.com Tom Sumner Program.com oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I have only comparatively recently emerged from the United States Army, so that I am now, of course, in the radioactive reserve. (laughs) And the usual jokes about the Army aside, one of the many fine things one has to admit is the way that the Army has carried the American democratic ideal to its logical conclusion in the sense that not only do they prohibit discrimination on the grounds of race, creed, and color, but also on the grounds of ability. (laughs) Be that as it may, some of you may recall the publicity a few years ago attendant upon the Army's search for an official Army song to be the counterpart of the Navy's Anchors Away and the Air Force's Up in the Air Junior Birdman and so on. I was in basic training at the time, and I recall our platoon sergeant, who was an unfrocked marine, (laughs) actually the change of service had come as quite a blow to him because it meant that he had to memorize a new serial number which took up most of his time. (laughs) At any rate, I recall this sergeant's informing me and my roommates of of this rather deplorable fact that the army didn't have any official, excuse me, didn't have no official song. (laughs) And uh, suggested suggested that we work on this in our copious free time. (laughs) Well, I submitted the following song, which is called It Makes a Fellow Proud to Be a Soldier, which I think demonstrates the proper spirit, you'll agree. However, the fact that it did not win the contest, I can ascribe only to blatant favoritism on the part of the judges. The heart of every man in our platoon must swell with pride For the nation's youth, the cream of which is marching at his side For the fascinating rules and regulations that we share And the quaint and curious costumes that we're called upon to wear up to do his part defending you and me he wants to fight and bleed and kill and die for liberty with the hell of war he's come to grips policing up the filter tips it makes a fella proud to be a soldier when pete was only in the seventh grade he stabbed a cop 
He's real R.A. material, and he was glad to swap his switchblade and his old zip gun for a bayonet and a new M1. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. After Johnny got through basic training, he was a soldier through and through when he was done. Its effects were so well-rooted that the next day he saluted a good humor man, an usher, and a nun. <laughs> an intellectual brings a book to every meal. He likes the deep philosophers, like Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> he thinks the army's just the thing because he finds it broadening. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. Flunked out of second grade and never finished school. He doesn't know a shelter half from an entrenching tool, but he's going to be a big success. He heads his class at OCS. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. Our old mess sergeant's taste buds have been shot off in the war, but his savory collations add to our esprit de corps. To think of all the marvelous ways they're using plastics nowadays It makes a fella proud to be a soldier Our lieutenant is the up-and-coming type Played with soldiers as a boy, you just can't bet It is written in the stars He will get his captain's bars But he hasn't got enough box tops yet our captain has a handicap to cope with, sad to tell. He's from Georgia, and he doesn't speak the language very well. He used to be, so rumor has, the dean of men at Alcatraz. It makes a fella proud to be what as a kid I vowed to be. What luck to be allowed to be a soldier at ease. This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden wreaths. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Six geese are laying five golden wreaths Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves And a partridge in a pear tree On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying five 
Welsh hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine ladies waiting, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten lords a leaping, nine ladies waiting, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eleven pipers piping, ten lords a leaping, nine ladies waiting, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a leaping, nine ladies waiting, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. I gotta stop a minute. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to all of my guests starting with uh, just this uh, past hour, talking with Jack Estes about his uh, experiences in Vietnam as a Marine, and uh, he's turned into quite a critically acclaimed author. He has a new book called Searching for Gurney. Before that, we talked about the uh, COVID academic slide with uh, Brian Galvin from Varsity Tours, and we started out this morning with a delightful conversation with author Jeffrey Stevens about his new book, Fool's Errand. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about uh, the pandemic and old age with a couple retired New York City lawyers, Erica Baird and uh, Karen Wagner. That'll be followed by Armchair Politics with our roundtable regulars joined by the 2018 Green Party nominee for Governor Jennifer Curland. See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.